Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, day four of this French Open in the book, second round play beginning today, and it was a really fun day of matches. We saw so many seeds tested on the women's side, a bunch of upsets as well, continuing the theme on the WTA Tour. Of course, we also saw a bunch of top seeds on the men's side tested. We saw a bunch of players make the first third rounds of their careers at Grand Slam. So many great matches to discuss. Joining me to do just that, as he has throughout these past six weeks of tour action, you of course know him as our Crack Rackets Do Everything, a former Denison men's tennis great, the only undefeated high school tennis coach in Missouri State history, and I'm going to throw in one more, a man who considers himself the forefather of the forehand slice, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Appreciate it. That's a nice new wrinkle you're throwing in the intro. I guess if I'm coming on so many of these, you got to come up with new things to say. But uh, really, I'm here, and I'm just going to preempt this so that it doesn't get out of hand later. We get it. You liked Martinez to go through. We understand he has a chance to get to the fourth <laughs> round. Okay, we've seen your Twitter feed. We've seen everything else. Let's let's move on and talk about the other matches, okay? I wasn't going to say it again because I didn't want to jinx it on the podcast, so I'll just leave that here with Matt Stokowiak. I'm coming for you. Uh, but yeah, it was a really fun day of action, and you know we have talked about it off mic. We've just after six weeks of tennis, it's much more. Uh, it's much easier to get a grasp on the action that is going on. And, you know, we have finally started to have a significant enough sample size to realize, okay, a player like Elise Mertens, you can just pencil her in for three rounds in every tournament she's going to win because she has been that consistent. And, you know, similarly, we can tell the players, whether it's someone, uh, you know, like a Shmidova who has played one, a Podoroska who has played well, they both got wins today, whether it's someone like Sebastian Corda on the men's side, right, or Pedro Martinez who have had success and it was just a matter of opportunities, a matter of when, not if. Yeah, we have seen that at this French Open, and again, it's led to some outstanding play, and in fact, what we're going to be doing on today's podcast, a little bit of a different format than usual. Normally, we start out with a couple of deep dives on our favorite matches of the day, but because there were so many great matches on day four, because there are just a bunch of different storylines we want to hit on in today's podcast, we're just going to talk about these upsets in group, uh, these upsets, excuse me, these matches in groups. We're going to talk about the upsets on the men's and women's side. We'll talk talk about the three-set battles, the five-set battles. Of course, we'll go through the rest of the day's results, talk about how the top seeds looked, preview day five's action, but no deep dive breakdowns. Of course, we'll still get into stats. We'll still have all of the fun we do here on this mini-break podcast, and I want to remind all of you listeners quickly the reason we are able to do so because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. You'll not only get 15% off your order free two-day shipping, 
shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty tennis balls. But more importantly, just any of your tennis equipment needs, whether it be shoes, whether it be shirts, whether it be strings, rackets, grips, grommets, they've got it all. Their expert staff can help you find exactly what you're looking for. So go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Of course, if you are looking to help your nutrition, you're looking to get back on the court yourself, you want to get the most out of your performance, that's where our friends at Aerobar come in. The only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, more potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavor. And best of all, as J.B. McDonald knows, it comes with a podcast, our Getting to the Point episodes focusing on the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern game. Of course, those two topics so prevalent now, given how many of these players have been physically tested these past six weeks. And, you know, we know pro players out there are using Aerobars. If it's good enough for the pros, it's good enough for you. So go to Aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACK15, 15, 15% off. By the way, you're supporting a really great group as well. Mark Gol- uh, Mark Aerosmith, Andrew Golub, our friends. We love what they are doing at Aerobar. So please be sure to go support them as well. And also, if you want to hear our picks each and every morning for these matches, go over and check out the DraftKings Ace of the Day segment on our Great Shot podcast. So exciting to be working with DraftKings. I'll run Jamie through my picks for tomorrow at the end of this podcast. Feels worth noting. First winning day of the tournament, Jamie. 2-0 two and, two and today, really, because the second Serena pulled out of her match. That parlay became null. But shout out to you. I feel like you had a big hand in yesterday's picks as well. You gave me the blessing. You were like, okay, let's go with those two, and it worked. So, hey, great shot by you. I appreciate that. I can't take all the credit, though, because I was nervous about your pick with Martinez over Kukushkin, and boy, was I wrong there. Kukushkin did not put up the fight that I expected. I expected that one to be a grind and Kukushkin maybe to pull it out. That's why I felt a little bit nervous there. But, hey, you went with your instinct, and I appreciate that. So good on you. Keep the picks rolling. Notice how I subtly worked that in just so that you would compliment me again on Martinez. That is called hosting, folks. That's how you do it. But yeah, no, uh, again, so many great matches. Couldn't have possibly been of my own accord. No, no, no. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, again, so many good matches on the day. Let's start with the women's upsets, Jamie, because as I alluded to there, we did have just right off the bat huge news to kick off the morning. Uh, Serena Williams, the number six seed, 23-time Grand Slam champion. I don't know why I need to get an intro. If you don't know who Serena Williams is, you're not listening to this podcast. My point being the number six seed, Serena Williams, withdrawing from the event today. Just still, as she said, she had a couple nagging injuries from the U.S. Open. She was not yet over making the decision to pull out as opposed to a rematch of her U.S. Open quarterfinal today against Svetana Parankova. Parankova now in the third round for back-to-back majors. The Parankova breakout was exactly what we all saw coming in 2020, by the way, but obviously that was disappointing. Let's just start there, Jamie. Are you you surprised by this decision? Surprised is the wrong word, but, you know, knowing that Serena Williams pulls out, how does this impact the draw in your mind? I think it impacts the draw less than it has in years past. Let's Agreed. just say that. You know, I don't I don't want to disrespect Serena and the great champion she is, but realistically I think neither of us really saw her coming out of this section. Um, you know, we both still had cemented Halep at the top as the favorite. Um, and so that still holds on and you know, let's not forget that the section that Serena was in absolutely loaded with talent. Um, so realistically i don't think this impacts the draw too much which is a good thing Uh, but of course unfortunate for her and the fact that she doesn't have an opportunity to move through this draw and create some magic again just a disappointment for the tennis fans 
If you go back and listen to the Great Shot podcast I did with Sandy Middleman previewing uh, or naming our top five women to or five women most likely to win this event, the reason I had Serena Williams at number five, and I said it at the time, it was a respect pick. If Serena Williams is in the draw, you always kiss the ring. You always understand that if she finds her form, she is capable of winning any event she is in. Uh, That's how special of an athlete she is. At the same time, if you watch the first, you know, the first three, four weeks in New York and in Lexington. If you watched, you know, she didn't get any of the matches, any warm-up matches in in the build-up to this French Open. There just there are too many other women on tour right now playing too well to be that surprised that it's not going to be Serena Williams in the winner's circle. Now, of course, if healthy, would you still expect her in the second week? Yeah. No one's saying that we didn't expect that. But, you know, of course, this is never the circumstance you want to see Serena Williams exit from a tournament. In terms of the impact on the draw, I agree with you completely. You know, she uh, was not someone we you, you immediately have jump out to you as a favorite to win this event. I think we all still agree Simona Halep, number one in in that category, but what is so fascinating, Jamie, we talked about that Svitolina section of the draw, the section of death that had Serena, it had Azarenka, you know, you look at some of the other players who were in that portion of the draw as well, uh, it was just a loaded section, and now you look at that portion of the draw, Jamie, as of right now, uh, making the quarterfinals will be one of Shmadova. Podoroska, Krejcikova, or Parankova. And I don't think there's a single bracket on Turnitopia, Jamie, that had those four names as the four who are going to have a chance to make the quarterfinal. I appreciate you uh, allowing me to bring into the fold once again my OVA theory dominating the WTA. Uh, no, we don't need to go there once again. But yeah, ridiculous. You know, not how this section um, was planned to move move out at all. And, and look, the bigger surprise to me, regardless of what happened with Serena, obviously an unfortunate withdrawal there. You know, even if there was a result, way less shocking to me than what happened to Azarenka. So let's quickly get into that one because. Given the level we've seen from her, I mean, yeah, once you're on a hot streak, at some point you expect it to cool off, but losing two and two, that's really disappointing given what we've seen from her in recent weeks. No, I agree with you. And, you know, Smadova, I believe, beat Venus Williams, if memory serves me correct, in round one. And obviously, that was a straight set win for her. She looked good doing it. But for Smadova today against Vika. I don't want to say the magic ran out for Vika, but she just wasn't able to find the answers that she just seemed so easily able to find over the those, you know, from the start of Western and Southern, really through her loss in Rome. And for Shmodova, it's not that she did anything incredible in this match. You know, she made 63% of her first serve, 69% of first serve per, uh, win percentage, 57% on the second serve uh, was not broken in Azarenka's five chances. But you look at the big thing that jumps out a minus 317 winners to 20 unforced error ratio for Azarenka she's minus 20 on the day 18 winners against 38 unforced errors and it's not like she ran up a double fault count today Jamie she was just spraying from the baseline throughout this match yeah and and again just such a juxtaposition from what we saw in the last few weeks because Azarenka from the baseline was simply as solid as anyone on the tour. That's why she had such deep runs in New York. And so uh, unfortunate for her, but again, just add another impressive seed to, to the list at this point. 
Yeah, no, what's so uh, sad is the wrong word, but you look at this section of the draw, and of course, you know, there's no uh, Conte that was knocked out by Garcia earlier, but if you're Alina Svitolina, you're like, could I not just get an upset in my section, please? I mean, for her to get to the quarterfinals, she'd still have to get through Alexandrova, then she'd have to get through the winner of Garcia and Mertens, and it's like, I couldn't, we just couldn't spread the love a little bit. It all had to be in this little quarter of the draw. It's it's hilarious uh, in my mind, just for Svitolina. Obviously, she survived today, but I mean, that section of the draw is just fascinating, the contrast between that top half, bottom half of the Svitolina quarter. But yeah, you know, again, all of these players today, really impressive wins for Shmodova, uh, that 2-2 two two win over Azarenka. Podoroska, 6-3, 1-6, over Putin Seva. That's a surprising result, given how well Putin Seva is playing, but then you look what Podoroska has done over the past few months, uh, you know, a three-set battle and someone who has been playing really, really well. So not shocking that she was able to pull that out. And then Krejcikova. We knew it was going to be a three-set battle with Striskova. That's exactly the case. Where I want to leave this conversation on the women's upsets, Jamie, we've recapped it at the end of every day. But now you look at the action. You add two more seeds down on this list, Jamie, uh, with the, I believe, I think we are at 15 seeds now have been knocked out, and we're only halfway through the second round. Again, the third round is the round of third. 32. More likely than not, we are going to be down more than half the seeds entering the round of 32. It epitomizes the past three years of WTA tennis, does it not? Yeah, I mean, this is, again, this is what we've come to know, right? At this point, the upsets are not shocking. It's simply a matter of where they're going to happen and how. Um, and, and so for me, what is shocking is seeing Azarenka get added to this list and simply the manner in which it happened, right? Winning four games uh, is just not a great way to end this campaign these last few weeks of tennis. Now, granted, this does not take away some of the great stuff that we saw for her from her in recent weeks. Um, that being said, still a disappointment to see her name on the list and to go out in such, you know, not fantastic fashion. No, you're absolutely right. And in terms of top 10 seeds, we've lost Serena, Kanta, and Azarenka. And truthfully, Azarenka is probably the only person where you're like, wow, I thought she could win this event that you're shocked to have lost. But again, this speaks to the parity to player 5 through 55 right now in the women's game. I mean, Caroline Garcia, there's just no world where she should ever be unseated at a major. And the fact that she was, or is, excuse me, there are going to be seeds who just pay the price for that because she is a former top 10 player. She's just an exceptional talent and she's clicking right now, obviously. And we'll talk about her a little bit later. But yeah, I agree to you to to your point again. And we still have some really fun ones tomorrow. Pliskova versus Ostapenko. Absolutely upset alert uh, in that match. When Ostapenko plays well, she can just beat anyone. Uh, you know, Fiona Farrow versus Elena Rabakina, that's probably an upset alert uh, as well. There are a ton of fun matches to go. You know, now Habino versus Own Shabur, a ton of fun matches tomorrow, and uh, that's exactly what we expected out of this women's draw. So again, it has lived up to form through four days. Let's flip gears now and go to the men's side, and you look at the upsets on the men's side today. Two seeds go down, but again, I don't think either of us are going to be shocked by the names. Perhaps we're shocked by the opponents who knocked them out for John Isner, a four-set loss to fellow uh, American, a young American, a former Junior Slam, I believe, champion in Sebastian Corda, who knocks out Isner 6-4, 6-4, 2-6, 6-4. In the other match, Correa able to knock off pair 7-6, 4-6, 6-3, 6-1. We don't have to spend any time talking about Benoit Pair. In fact, you know, we try to avoid talking about his tennis as frequently as possible unless he's slapping balls three courts over. But in terms of Corda, Corda versus Isner. 
Sebastian Corda is awfully impressive, Jamie. And again, he I keep harping on this topic. He's everything you want out of the modern men's player. 6'4", 6'5", 6'6"-ish, long, uh, you know, fluid, can move a little bit, can win easy points with his serve, and that serve's only going to get better and better. He took it too, isn't there, today? It was really impressive. Yeah, this is a great performance, and I think obviously he's benefiting from the fact that he's taking on Isner in these conditions on these courts, right? I mean, you saw a very similar thing, right? Anytime we're talking about Isner, we're likely going to bring up Opelka. Not that they're exactly the same, but let's just say there's some pretty obvious similarities, and in the same manner a lot of things that they rely on for free easy points to get them through sets and subsequently matches just aren't as easy um, in these conditions. And so Corda did a great job of taking advantage of that. And to me, I mean, this just isn't a surprise to see Isner go down this way at this point. Um, You know, you like that after you see that third set, you think maybe the momentum switches a little bit, but that's just a credit to Corda for getting back on it, um, taking it to him and winning the fourth 6-4 to to get it done and not get into a situation where he has to play a fifth set against a veteran, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So really good stuff for me. And yeah, again, though, not surprised at either Isner or Benoit Pair going out at this stage. Yeah, three numbers for you quickly from the quarter performance. A, 66% of his first serves go in. That's exactly what you have to do against John Isner. B, he wins 72% of those points. Again, you have to play plus one tennis. You have to be effective with that first ball. Control the points or Isner's just going to slap you around. Uh, and then the last thing, plus 18 winner to unforced errors. 46 against 28 in a match where he had, what, seven aces against six double faults. That's not crazy. He just, he played really well. And if you want to throw in a fourth one, 18 of 42 for Isner on second serve points. Uh, Corda took his chances. He played efficient tennis. He played the big targets on the return, and he can just do a little bit of everything. And so obviously he now advances to the first third round of his career. And it's worth noting from at Luca back, given Sebastian Corda will now play Pedro Martinez. It ensures there will be a player from qualifying at the round of 16 for the first time at the French Open since 2012. Do you want to try and guess the player who did it in 2012? Jamie, I'll tell you this. This guy now top 50. 15, perennially. Hmm. All right, give me a second. Run run me through it again. It was 2012 and just 2012 French okay. Open. He goes from qualifying to the round of 16. So who seven years ago, eight years ago, would have been in qualifying and is now very good? Uh, Batista Agut. That's a very good guess, David Goffin. But that was a very, ah, very okay. good guess. That that was a All very right. good guess. I like that yes. one. You win, you win that category. Um, I so bravo. It. Yeah, so bravo to you. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a really good performance from Corda. And, you know, you sort of look at uh, the seeds who have been upset now on the men's side. Not quite the 16 we've seen on the women's, but Isner and Pear now added to the list. So we've seen 13 total. You know, we recapped Medvedev being gone yesterday. We talked about that. But again, this feels about right like the players who are winning these matches it's not flukes it's not spontaneous trees these are players who have been playing well who have built up momentum for themselves uh during this restart to this 2020 season yeah i think that's fair and for me look we've already addressed the people who are upsets that surprised us um but again i don't think it surprised either of us to see isner and pair added to that list right when you look at that list <clears throat> the ones that still surprise you are the medvedevs and the the damon hours and in, in terms of how they went out the chorches perhaps um people like that but regardless i mean this is where we're at now the draws opened up nicely in some of these sections and yeah you mentioned it now we've got a chance to see someone new in some later stages of the french open and, and that's all always exciting. 
Yeah, no, the seed I feel robbed about the most still is Chorch. He, I mean, credit to Gombos, by the way, who followed it up with a win today, and we'll yeah. get into that in a second. But it just that match was there for Chorch, and it just he was up 3-0 in that second set, right? And that just kind of in a blink, he lost that set, and then he lost the fourth, and he was off the court. And sometimes I suppose that happens. But, you know, we'll talk about Gombos in a second. Let's get to the rest of the women's results now. You look at uh, the battles we saw that went three sets. Jamie, a ton of fun matches here. Svitolina, dangerous match for Zarazua. We talked about it yesterday. 6-3-0-6-6-2. She survives in that match. Ditto for Kiki Burton. 7-6-3-6-9-7 over Sarah Ronnie. I know those are two top five seeds tested, Jamie, but your thoughts on those two matches today? I mean, I think you got to start with the Irani and Burton's match. I feel like we could talk <laughs> about this one for so long, but um, I, I mean, look, good for Burton's for getting through this, but realistically she should have gotten through this a lot easier um she just had so many chances and when you're playing somebody like sarah arani you're going to have so many chances so again credit to burton's and not surprising at all how this match finishes right burton's breaks for the win i feel like that was just to a t how this thing was going to win how this thing was going to go because i i can't go through this without mentioning this so let's just talk about the sarah arani serving performance i know i gave you <laughs> at least half of this spiel right before we got on the podcast but I wouldn't be doing my duty if I didn't talk about the Irani serving performance. I Sarah Irani, look, not the not the biggest player in the WTA, not going to have the most powerful serve. We understand that. We've seen her have problems with double faults in the past. I get that. But listen to some of these numbers. Throughout this three-set match that ended up losing 7-9 in the third, zero aces, 14 double faults. She goes 6 of 34 on her second serve. Her average first serve speed is 68 miles an hour. Average second serve seat speed is 52 miles an hour. I mean, the fact that she was in this match even at all and didn't lose one and one is somewhat impressive, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look, there was a moment at the end of the match, and we don't have to get into sportsmanship part two because we talked about sportsmanship yesterday and, you know, whatever that means to whatever. But Burton's was suffering from, you know, injury problems. She was cramping. She was feeling different pains. And Irani was not happy about that, to say the least, happy about the body language. She thought she was, you know, uh, milking the moment, we'll say, and, you know, uh, perhaps being a bit hyperbolic with her uh, expressions of angst. And so at the end of the match, there's a clip going around social media and I retweeted it. I apologize. I can't credit who it came from, but at the end of the match, Irani drops an F-bomb. Uh, she goes F-U in Italian to uh, Kiki Burton's and like they show the reaction of John Isner and one other player who heard a couple courts over and they're just like stuttering and of course that came after the freaking sonic boom where they were like, oh my god, did a nuclear explosion just go off in Paris? Oh no, it's just a plane breaking the sound or what is it called? They're breaking the, the plane. What is it called? That'd I'm, be I'm the sound barrier. Yeah, sound barrier, thank you. The sonic boom that they heard, and it's just like, what are we doing here? What is going on? And we're playing this in the midst of a global pandemic, and like... Paris's numbers aren't looking great, and all I could think during that Herbert-Zverev match is how is the crowd this loud? How many people are here? What is going on? And, you know, all of that being said, you throw in Sarah Ronnie throwing in underhand serves. It's everything you want from a Grand Slam. Uh, something like that. There was definitely the drama. I'll give you that. I, the, there's no shortage of drama in that match. So, yes, it, you know, look, there was drama in a lot of other matches. You already mentioned the Air Bears Fair of one. The, the fans were getting loud. But, no, I mean, look, it was a good day all around. Entertainment, nonetheless. That's the bottom line, right? 
Yeah, no, and, you know, a couple of other of the three-set battles, you know, on the Svitolina point, she found her range in this match. Zarzua in the second set, everything she hit turned to gold, and it was just down-the-line winners, taking balls early. She played really well, as we expected her to, but credit to Svitolina, who, again, doesn't have the plan A of some of these other top women right now, but her B, her C, her D, as good as it gets out there, and so she's just going to scrap. I mean, I will never pick a Svitolina to lose in straight sets. You'll just never hear me say that because she can just do too many things on the court, and that was a good win for her over Zara Zua, a great win for Jeannie Bouchard, who continues her momentum here in 2020, just clearly spent these past five months getting in the best shape she could possibly be in, and it's showing right now in her results. A three-set win for her over Gavrilova. She finds herself now in the third round of this French Open, and then, you know, the flip side to that, Coco Goff today. Well, I don't know if this is the flip side, but, you know, really positive result for Trevisan, but for Coco Goff, she's up big in that first set. She ends up dropping her match to Trevisan, four six six two seven five. Your thoughts on the other three-set battles today, Jamie? Yeah, we'll start with Coco Goff. I mean, this one just unfortunate, right? Because she had so many chances, and and there wasn't there wasn't a point in this match where she wasn't at least within striking distance, right? Um, you know, she was right there. I, I think the beginning of that third set um, was really telling. They were having some tight games, and I really thought Coco Goff was going to take that momentum um, and run with it and flip the script after losing the second set six two. But um, unfortunate, just didn't go that way. Loses it in a tight one seven five, and again, it's really hard. To, to dwell on any of the results of Coco Goff because she's so young and so early in her career that realistically it's like, hey, I get the experience. Obviously, I'm going to root for her and hope she gets great results and comes up with some, some awesome tennis. But at this point, nothing really concerns me too much. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, again, grain of salt. She was this close to making another third round before she turns 18 years old. It's like all of the talent is there. Never overreact to one match for Coco Goff. However, it's becoming very clear what the two things she's going to need to work on, the forehand and the second serve. And honestly, it's probably good that we can identify those things this early because it's like, hey, you got 15, 20 years to work on all of that. Good luck. Uh, I'm betting on you as opposed to betting against you. But yeah, for Jeannie Bouchard, a Great win for her. Great to get back to the third round. Tennis is a better place when she's doing well, so obviously, way to go, Jeannie. Now, in terms of the other results on the day, Halep, Merton, Sakari, Anisimova, Alexandrova, all seeds advancing in straight sets. The three other straight set winners, two, three players who very well could be seeds, uh, Iga Sviatek, uh, Sinyakova, and Garcia, all winners uh, on the day. Your thoughts, Jamie, on those straight set results? Yeah, I mean, I think let's start at the top. Halep um, gets another straight set win. Um, makes me feel good in picking of her. I still see her as the favorite in this tournament. So seeing, you know, a fairly straightforward win in three and four uh, feels good, right? Um, similarly, looking at Mertens, somebody who we've looked at very seriously over the last few weeks in particular, um, getting through a tricky match four and five over Kanepi, also really impressive. So two of the players who we see um, as threats to go deep into this major doing well and getting straight set wins. So that's what we want to see. And at that point, you know, I'm still feeling good about some of those picks from the start. 
Yeah, no, I mean, so you hit those top two in terms of the other seeds. You know, Maria Sakari did exactly what you're supposed to do as a top seed. Yeah, you're going to get tested in that first set. Your opponent's going to come out swinging. She, you know, battered down. She uh, just played consistent tennis. She takes that match six and two. The match I am fascinated for in the third round, Simona Halep versus Amanda Anisimova. And I believe that's a rematch from the round of 16 where Anisimova beat her last year at the French Open. And, you know, Anisimova 2-0 and today over an informed Bernarda pair. And look, for Simona Halep, of course, she's as scrappy as they come. But Anisimova is going to have chances to take some big cracks at the ball. And when she's on, she can just hit you off the court. That's why everyone's so excited about her future as well. And you forget she's only 18 years old. And so that's going to be a really fun third round match. And by the way, just ditto for Iga Sviatek. We do this every, literally, we do this every pod now, but like, it's laughable how many of these women right now have Grand Slam potential. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you look through this draw, and it's, it's difficult to even start to whittle down the list of who could win this event, right? The list is just so long, and really the only way you start to take the names off um, is just weird things happening in the draw, right? An upset, a great performance here and there, but even after you chip away at that, you're still left with 15 names, right? Um, and so there are just so many contenders given the talent pool in the WTA right now. So really exciting stuff. And yeah, you mentioned that Anisimova-Halop matchup. Going to be really interesting, um, right? Anisimova took her out two and four last year at the French. Now, you know, you got to think the conditions and the experience got to lean toward Halop favoring there. But as you mentioned, Anisimova going to have a ton of chances to, to take Halop on and dictate play. So Again, going to be a really interesting one there. Yeah, all of these third-round matches are going to get really, really fun. And, of course, that's the first round you see seed on seed battles. Uh, I know we all look forward to that. Let's flip now to the men's side. Uh, I believe we had three five-side battles on the day, all various degrees of enjoyable. Uh, one of the nightcap matches, Alex Zverev escapes. Well, escape might be too strong of a word. We'll talk about that in a second. Five-set win over Air Bear. We also saw Casper Ruud five-set win over Tommy Paul in what I hope is the first of many clay court battles between the two of them. And then Stefano Trevaglia, five-set win over Kane Nishikori. Your thoughts, Jamie, on the matches that went the distance? Yeah, look, some great five-setters here. And as you mentioned, very weird. All of them, you know, had just a different flavor to them. We'll start at the top with Zverev Erebera because I did have the pleasure of watching almost the entirety of this match. And I think you're right. It was an escape. Erebera had plenty of chances to win this match. Um, that third set in the breaker, right? Obviously, that one could have gone either way. A guy with such great serve and volley and attacking principles like Erebera, obviously going to be a threat once you get to a tiebreak. But, you know, this is, this is credit to Zverev for ultimately riding the ship here, um, you know, toward the end of that fifth set, things went back and forth. And I thought Air Bear was really going to continue to push. I thought we were going to see one go well past the six all mark, um, potentially, you know, an 11-9, a 12-10 in the fifth sort of deal. But credit to Zverev for getting it done and getting it done quickly in 6-4 in that one. So, a great match all around. Um, you know, I, a lot of it was exactly what I expected. Air Bear completely threw off his rhythm. I think Sparrow started to do a better job when he made the match on his terms as opposed to Air Bear just, you know, giving a crazy drop shot, coming in behind it, doing something tricky, and Zverev just simply being you know, on his on the, on the back of his feet the whole match. Zverev picked up the, on that quickly. He started attacking more. You know, he started anticipating what Air Bear was going to do. 
a really good performance. Um, ultimately, I think Herbert could have won it, but good for Zverev for getting through it. I know that was long-winded, so I'll keep the other two short. Casper Ruud over no, Tommy No, quickly, Paul. let me let me just let me talk about the Zverev Herbert one as well. Right. Just well, let's let's just knock that one out of the park. Um, yeah, I, I just think. You know, when we were talking about do we do breakdowns today or not, this was a match where you thought, should we just do a full five minutes on this? But, you know, when half, if not more than half, of your aggression in a match is predicated on making the drop shot, that's tough. That's really tough, especially when you're going up against a six foot six, uh, you know, I, don't, I wanted to say Goliath, but just this fluid freaking Jaguar on the court who's moving corner to corner and sliding into shots. And, you know, again, to Air Bear's credit, he kept attacking. He kept moving forward. 93 net points. Are you kidding me? That's delightful from Pierre Hughes Air Bear, who had this match on his racket at multiple times. And, you know, for Zverev, he's he was down in, in big in multiple early sets. And then he goes up, you know, serves for the match, up 5-3, gets broken back for 5-4, breaks again for 6-3 uh for 6-4 in the 5th and you know I was never too worried that Alex Vera was going to lose this match because it really did feel like whenever he needed to play a big point whenever he needed to buckle down and just make a couple balls he did and I think that's the takeaway for me for Alex Vera yeah all of the usual problems that persist were there but he's just solved how to get through this ugly match winning ugly he's got down and I don't know if that's something you want to be happy about from a player you think has such high upside but it's not something to feel bad about. I mean, clearly he's used to these. Uh, used is a strong word. Clearly he can play these sloppy matches, and you never want to say he can get away with it, but he really can get away with it. Yeah, I, I think my criticism here is what's important for a player of his caliber is getting through and winning ugly against really high-level players, right? Not against unseated players in the second round of the French Open. And that's no disrespect to Air Bear. Obviously, really a tough out. He had the home crowd behind him. We knew he was going to be tricky on the clay, all the things that he can do. Um, we knew this was going to be a tough one, or at least I expected it to be. But for me, the next step for Zverev is you know winning these convincingly and then getting through the ugly matches later in stages, not having these sort of tests and barely getting through them. You know, you mentioned that you didn't really lose confidence in him and, and congratulations to you because I don't know how you didn't. The total points won on each side of this match was 164. They both won the same exact amount of points. So this one, flip a coin for me. But I, again, yeah, Zverev showing his experience at the top of the men's game. Yeah, it's just if you watch this match, I mean, again, Zverev had a bunch of big deficits. It was down an early break in the first, was down big in the third, and it's just kind of like he was like, all right, I got to really buckle down. And it, this was such a friendly match between these two as well. At one point, there was a bat, or a questionable call, and Zverev really didn't like it, and Air Bear's joking around with him. He's like, look, you can come look. And Zverev's just kind of like, all right, and he jumps over to the net, and the chair is like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. And then Air Bear was like, no, 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 it's fine. Let him check. Um, and so that was obviously fun. But yeah, again, for Zverev, it's that he got the job done and moved on to the next round you know to play bad against the best players you gotta and get away with it you, and if you're playing bad you gotta be you know you gotta be able to play bad and beat the bad players first and not that air bears a bad player but i'm talking about the early round matches that a top seed should win that's what alex virev did today now again two other five setters and we don't have to do much on travaglia nishikori because you know i think for nishikori it's just a matter of is he healthy yet is he back to his full form the answer is no not yet but this is a great competitive effort and again shout out to travaglia for just making the match as physical as possible 
possible. But on the Casparud-Tommy Paul match, because I was tweeting about this one, I tried to watch as much of this as I could. I mean, Casparud's playing, you know, this event is in Paris. Casparud's hitting returns in Lyon, right? He's so far back on the court, and he was giving up so much space to Tommy Paul, whose kick serve on clay might be as effective as any serve on clay out there. And, you know, Tommy was just taking the space and taking balls early. And you look at the winner to unforced error ratio in this match, you know, Tommy Paul, so many more winners in this match was really on his rack and on his terms. And yet for Casper Rude, his movement on clay, his ability to find forehands, and the moment he does find a forehand, sees control of the point, and just his variety, I am so excited for round three between him and team. Yeah, I mean, look, this is why people have been so excited about him on the surface. Uh, I think for me, this weird this match was just a weird one to watch, right? It, just a complete roller coaster. Um, you know, I was worried after the first sort of steamrolling in the first set. I was like, oh boy, Kasparud's going to win this thing in straights. Um, and then drops the second 1-6. And you're just kind of like, okay, well, I, I guess now we're back to square one, right? Um, so yeah, anytime you have three, six, one sets and a five setter, it's kind of, as Matt Stokowiak would say, a head scratcher. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, you never know quite what to think. But again, I think the more seasoned player on clay comes through on this one, but it certainly lived up to my expectations. Really glad to see a match go the distance like this and, and a great effort from Tommy Paul. You mentioned it. He's got so many weapons on that clay. That that kick serve, especially, I think it's amplified by the fact that Rude is standing so far back. I mean, it just looks ridiculous how well Tommy Paul is able to open up the court, especially with the team like kick out wide and then forehand um, likely cross court to the open side. So look, this was a great match from start to finish. Um, quickly on the Nishikori front, as you mentioned it, yes, Nishikori just not quite back to that full form. Uh, otherwise, I would expect uh, I would have expected him to win this, even if it did go the distance in five. You know, Nishikori always going to be the fit one, outlasting opponents, and ultimately he just ran out of gas, losing at six two. But it is what it is, and hopefully he gets back to a point where he's healthy and feeling good and, and winning these sort of matches in the future. Yeah, and you know, for Casper Ruud, it's I just think that return positioning is going to have to change against Dominic Team because if you give Team an inside-in forehand that he can just load up on, you lose. Like it's just that simple nowadays. You lose, and so uh, that will be a fascinating little wrinkle in that match to watch. Of course, speaking of Dominic Team, he was a straight set winner on the day uh, over Jack Sock. In terms of the other seeds who got through pretty comfortably, Nadal, uh, Schwartzman, Wawrinka, and Fritz all winners on the day. Your thoughts on the seeded men today and their performances i mean look this is what nadal does at the french open right so we don't need to spend much time there <laughs> poor um, mackie team... tries an underhand yeah, serve and just gets punished yeah you hate to see it uh, but yeah nadal only dropping four games there ridiculous as usual team uh, you know I-, I was impressed with jack sock in that third set i actually thought he was going to be able to take it um he certainly had the chances to do so getting it to the breaker but obviously dominic team at the french open we know what he can do so um, a good straight set win for him vavrinka getting through you know only dropping one set to cope for hey great shot to you slash us on this one once again predicting um the four set vavrinka win exactly what i expected Um, He's looking to be in really good form. Um, And then also a a great answer to a question, Taylor Fritz taking uh, out Radu Albot 3, 2, and 4. Really promising stuff for me um, because now Fritz, you know, listen, obviously these conditions aren't ideal for him either, but coming through a a match this convincingly over a guy who's always going to be a tough out, really impressive. 
Taylor Fritz is a winner from this French Open. I thought he was going to lose first round, certainly could lose second round, and now he finds himself in the third round. He held seed, and ultimately that's what you're asking from these young players to do. I completely agree with you there for Wawrinka. I mean... Dom Kofer couldn't really hit through these clay courts. Just so hard to get the ball through. And, you know, he gave Stan plenty of opportunities to tee off. But credit to Stan, man. Dominic Kofer, again, going to ask every question of you. And Stan was there to answer all of them. So that was a really good performance from him. In terms of the unseeded wins on the day, Sinner, Sinego, Gaston, Gambos, Chechenato, and then this guy I hear is pretty good by the name of Pedro Martinez. All winners on the day for Yannick Sinner. He becomes the first male born in 2001 to reach the third round of a Grand Slam. You look at the names he joins of the most recent years, FAA 2000, Shapovalov 99, Tiafo Tsitsipas 98, Zverev 97. It's pretty nice company for the young Italian. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And, and this one, to me, such a great result because obviously Yannick Sinner has been in a position where, you know, we've always, or let's say over the last couple of years, been like, man, look at this guy, look at this great talent, look what he can do. And it's always really exciting for him when he goes in to, to play against the bigger guns, right? You know, that match against Karen Hatchinoff, obviously one that everybody circled. Now center found him in a position, in a position where he was expected to win this match at, at, at a major level. That's big time stuff. And sometimes when you see these young guys who are used to being the underdog, but incredibly talented, once they get in a position where they're a favorite, they kind of fold a bit. So this to me was really impressive, regardless of the player on the other side to come through two, four and four. That's just really good stuff. Yeah, this is a subjective observation, but the body language of Yannick Sinner said, Benjamin Bonsai does not deserve to be on the court with me today. Let me win this match in three sets and let me advance to the next round where I deserve to be. And as a young player, that sort of swagger, that's exactly what you're looking for. So I completely agree with you there. And again, uh, that caps off a really fun first half of the second round. Now, of course, the second half going to kick off tomorrow on day five. And I'm just going to say this, Jamie, here's my take on day five matches. It's a women-centric day. You know, the men's matches, not that great. The women's matches, I could legitimately make a case for all 16 as must-see television. Let's start there. Give me the three matches, I suppose, that you are most looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I think at the very start, it's one that I circled from the very beginning, one that I'm still going with my gut on. I think Ostapenko can pull off the upset. This one goes on at like 5 a.m. Eastern, so I'm going to have to get up early again if I want to catch it. But Ostapenko taking on the two-seed in Pliskova, I think that one is going to be must-see. Um, so if, if I'm watching one, that's certainly number one. Number two, Sabalenka taking on Kasakina um, is going to be a great test for the eight-seed in Sabalenka. Somebody you and I know, look, she's got the weapons to get through this thing and so if she's going to make a deep run i would love to see a convincing win from her here uh let's say the third one i would go with cornet and zhang um i think cornet again somebody we talked about in our preview is somebody who's just going to be such a tough out especially at the french open where she has that home crowd behind her is this finally a chance for her to make a deep run at a major potentially right and so this this one there's a lot on the line for the veteran and cornet so i think those are my three 
Yeah, all good choices. I will say this. I've talked about these two players enough, but Elena Rabakina, Fiona Farrow, that's the Alex Gruskin special of day five, right? That's just absolutely up my alley. I've talked about both those players extensively. I will be watching that match. And I'll say this, Jamie, you're right about those 5 a.m.ers. This is one of those nights where you chug four glasses of water before you go to bed because you want to get up at 4.30 to go take a pee uh, because you want to be able to check your Roland Garros app and you want to be like, ooh, is this a good match I should stay up for? Ooh, okay, I guess it's not. I'll go back to sleep. Uh, That's at least my strategy moving forward. But yeah, a ton of good ones. How does Muguruza bounce back after a tricky first-round performance against Pliskova Part 2? You know, Fernandez-Hertzog, I think that's going to be a battle, a fun one. You know, how does Clara Tawson follow up her win over Jen Brady versus Danielle Collins? I think now Habino is going to upset Own Jabour tomorrow. That is one of my upset alerts, which again, you can see my full slate of picks by checking out our GSP Ace of the Day article on our website, Cracked Racket. But, you know, whether it's young players, whether it's veterans, whether it's players seeking their first slam, uh, there's a lot of fun matches tomorrow on the women's side that we will be locked in on. For the men, Jamie, I have two that stand out to me, but give me your list first. Yeah, I think there's there's a few. I think you undersold it a touch. I understand there's more uh, appealing stuff on the women's side in terms of some of those blockbuster matchups, so I understand. But there's a lot of them for me, kind of difficult to decide. I think one that I would pick right off the bat is Davidovich, Fokina, and Rublev. Um, Rublev, obviously, a guy that we've talked so much about as of late. But Davidovich, Fokina, so dangerous on the clay. Um, and Rublev, he was tested early. And so if Davidovich, Fokina can get some momentum, you know, who knows what can happen deep into a match like this. Um, there's there's a lot of them that I could pick. I, I think uh, Pea and Karina Busta is a really interesting one as well. Another another guy in Gato Pea who's incredible on the clay. Um, going up against Karina Busta, who obviously had a phenomenal run at the U.S. Open. That one's going to be a grind. I would expect it to go deep into four or five. Uh, yeah, let's see. If I had to pick a third, I'd probably go Cuevas and Tsitsipas. Um, I think Tsitsipas, obviously, in a similar camp with Rublev where he was just tested and, okay, now it's the bounce back match, right? Do we see any lasting effects? Do we see any hangovers? Hopefully not for you know guys this young and in shape, um, but it could be there. It could be a delayed hangover also from Hamburg, right? So I think Cuevas presents an interesting challenge for him, but I'd say those would be my three to circle on the men's side. Yeah, no, all good picks. I mean, you know, for me, the Deuce versus Anderson, that's a fun one. For the Rublev match, if you're coming off of a week of tough matches, a five-set battle against Sam Query, there are a few people, again, you're making your list, that it would be more frustrating to come up against than Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. And there's a greater than 0% chance that Andre Rublev throws a racket at Davidovich Fokina tomorrow, that he just, you know, he's cranky from all of the tennis, from all of the traveling. Davidovich Fokina going to do his usual gamesmanship stuff. Uh, that one could get uh what what's the word I'm looking for? I want I don't want to say volcanic. I don't want to say vibrant. Uh, but that match could get volatile. There it is. Uh, that could be a really fun one. I let you yeah, find I, it. I had it. I'm, I had yeah, it in my, I, on my tongue. I, I appreciate that. It. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I would say it's not that I'm underselling the men's. It's that I'm just that excited for the women's. I think the slate of matches could be that enjoyable. But it's gonna be fun matches all day long. Of course, 17 doubles matches uh, for the women, nine for the men. So you know, there's gonna be tennis. 
Giannis from 5 a.m. till 4 p.m. on the East Coast. And hopefully you all will tune into the action. Of course, Jamie and I will be back here tomorrow to recap day five. Uh, Of course, if you want to hear our picks for tomorrow's matches, again, be sure to go check out that GSP Ace of the Day either on the Great Shot podcast feed on our YouTube channel or on our various social media platforms as well. A huge shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar for their continued support. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use that promo code Cracked15. Of course, a huge shout out as well, always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in day out making all of these podcasts possible if you have missed anything from this French Open we promise you you can get caught up by going to our website crackedrackets.com really fun piece tomorrow from our intern Luke Moorhead on the five possible things that could stop Rafael Nadal from repeating as a Grand Slam champion of course Clark Cummings also written a little bit about the odds written a bit a little bit about the American men as well oh you can find all of that content again by going to our website CrackedRackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at CrackedRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. And of course, we are eternally grateful to our Patreon subscribers. If you are interested in supporting what we're doing here at CrackedRackets, go to Patreon.com. Be sure to search CrackedRackets. And, you know, again, a, a huge shout out to our Patreon community without whom any of this uh, would not be possible. With that in mind, though, Jamie, any final thoughts on day four? Well, you, you got close to it, but I'm going to take it across the finish line. On the double side, there are some phenomenal matches. I don't even want to go all the way through <laughs> it, but on the men's double in particular, one that you absolutely 100% Bopana, should Shapovalov, watch. Sock, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you got Sock and Pospisil, you know, taking, you know, obviously former Wimbledon champs in 2014, taking on Shapovalov and Bopana. If you're not trying to flip to that match at least at some point during the day, you're crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's my last, that's my last word. I got to get in. All right. I'm going to throw in one last word as well. I had a tangent the other day. The players I wish could I could add three to five inches to. Ricardus Barrancas would be number one for me. Schwartzman would be two, although I kind of like him as is. And then number three would probably be Opelka, just because I would love to see him at <laughs> seven foot four. Uh, but what are you, what, how does that ranking list look to you? I mean, listen, that's fine. Here's here's the problem with this sort of discussion: is it becomes interesting for anybody. Right. Yeah. It becomes interesting for literally anybody. You could say, wow, man, what if what if Fed was like six four, six five? That'd be interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, it, but I, I get your point. I, I think I got to cast my ballot for Opelka. Just make him even bigger and make it even funnier. That would just be so incredible. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, then with that in mind for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell the people? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 